We're in Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Very excited about this series. Very excited about the series that are in the pipeline coming around the corner. Philippians chapter 4. Very quickly look at Philippians 4 and verse number 4. We read this together last week as we started our series. Let's read over our passage. Philippians 4, verse number 4. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Last week, we started our series on how to find the missing peace. And we talked about Paul sitting here in a Philippian jail As he writes one of his last letters, he tells us how to find a missing peace, a peace that only comes from God, a peace that won't come from money, a peace that won't come from marriage, a peace that won't be manufactured by any resource on this planet other than a peace that only comes from God. And he tells us that this peace that God gives us, it keeps our hearts and minds. Everybody say keep. That word keep means to guard or protect. And that, that peace, it, it becomes a protection for our heart and our mind, meaning that the peace of God is what keeps us together when all of life is falling apart. Somebody talk to me this morning. And so what we did last week, we talked about how out of verse 4, Paul tells us in the journey, the expedition that we all have in life to find this missing piece, he tells us that the first thing you need to do is rejoice with praise like God tells you to. And he basically tells us, let's get glad together. And so last week, we talked about how our response to turmoil and our response to trouble is to rejoice in the middle of it. We talked about how to get overwhelmed from the inside when your life is overwhelmed from the outside. How does somebody get overwhelmed from the inside? Well, with joy. You got to let joy out of that cage like a bird set free and put joy into action and rejoice and get overwhelmed from the inside despite what's overwhelming you from the outside. And he tells us how to rejoice with praise like God tells us to. And that's basically a principle that just applies to yourself. Well, today, I want to take another step further because I feel like some of us were having a breakthrough last week. Some of of us were going, you know what? I'm not going to let bad stuff dictate my mood and my attitude and how how I... feel about my life and how I conduct myself, I'm not going to let my joy be robbed or pulled out from under me like a rug. And and that was a peaceful step. Well, I want to take it a little further, and it's a little harder. Last week was easy and fun. This is a little more of a surgical thing because this principle that I want to tell you today is not just, it's not just you dealing with yourself. 
It's how you deal with people. You, you see why it's harder. I just complicated the process because we just went one plus stupid, and now it equals crazy. Are you, are you with me? So, so I, I, I want to give you a principle about dealing with yourself in the direction of peace, and that is dealing with people. Look what he said in verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, let's read it again, and I'll explain what he's saying there. Let your moderation, let your mild nature. Now, Paul assumes this is in you. Well, not, not, not because you got it from your granddad. No, that's not what you got from your granddad. Not because your mama was like this. Because God made you like this when he gave you Jesus. His spirit in you. So he assumes, remember, he's not writing to a non-believer. He's writing to a Christian. So he assumes that you've got what he has. And he says, let your, your, your meek spirit, let your gentleness, let your peaceful character, let your peaceful personality be known unto everybody in your life. He tells us, Today, this is how you relate with people like God tells you to. And he's submitting to us an idea, hey, let's keep the peace. Let's, let's keep the peace. And here's what's really interesting. Paul's actually instructing us to be known about how we relate to other people in a personal and peaceful way. And I just imagine that he's sitting in this jail cell and he's cataloging all the people in his life that he has been, that he's done wrong to. Perhaps he's thinking about the many families that he signed off on their murder. Many Christians that he used to kill before he became one. Maybe he's sitting in this jail cell and he's thinking about all the people that have wronged him. Maybe even presently. Maybe he's thinking about the people that shook his hand, hugged his neck, kissed him on the cheek, and then stabbed him in the back. Maybe, maybe he's just going through the catalog of all the people, and at the very end of your life, you start trying to figure out how to make amends and make things right and fix things that are broken. And maybe he's just thinking, because he's at the very end of his life, and he's thinking about people that he could be at peace with. And he knew what it was like to have a falling out with somebody. He knew, he knew what it was like to be out with somebody. It happened in Acts 15 with Barnabas over the situation with Mark. And being, being out with someone is, is our way of saying that you're no longer at peace with somebody. Somebody talked to me this morning. When we say we're out with somebody, that's our way of saying that we had peace, but we lost peace with that person. Have, have you ever lost peace with somebody? Yeah. You, you ever had a falling out with somebody you loved? You ever had a falling out with somebody you hated? It's worse when it's familiar people. Familiar as in family. It's hard when it's your natural family. Some people, some people get out of the family because they're out with the family. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's your natural family. You were born into this family. You were raised by this family. You're supposed to like this family. You're supposed to love this family. And you spend half of your life trying to, you know, a lot of times we go through life loving people like a Heisman Trophy. <laughs> trying to keep them at arm's length. Trying to keep our distance from them. I love you. I'll carry the ball in this relationship. But bless God, stay away from me. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. 
And it's hard. It's hard sometimes with natural family. You know what's even harder is spiritual family. The family of God. When you become a believer, you get placed into the church. It's a spiritual family. And, and it's really hard. And I think it's weird because we have higher expectations for our spiritual family than we do our natural family. Like, y'all are never supposed to get it wrong. Like, I'm supposed to bat a thousand. Like, y'all are never supposed to overlook anything. You're never supposed to miss anything. You're never supposed to get something wrong. You're never supposed to hurt anybody's feelings. You're supposed to be a 100% Christian superhero, float off the ground, levitate, and then, are you hearing me? And, 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 and we have higher expectations for our spiritual family. And I've seen it a million times, all right? I've seen it a million times. I myself have done this, so I know what I'm talking about. We get out with someone in our spiritual family. Somebody in church. This is always how it happens. Satan is too smooth. He's never going to show up in your life with a neon sign, a pitchfork, and a red tail and horns. No, he's too clever for that. He's always going to use the things that are close to you, the things that are familiar, the things that will hurt you the most. So let's use your spiritual family because you put a lot of stock in church people. You put a lot of stock in Christians. You expect a lot out of them. Sadly, we expect more of them than we expect for ourselves. We can get away with it, but bless God, you better not. I'll charge you with a criminal trespass. The reality is this, we get out with our spiritual family. When we get out with a believer, or we get out with a man or a woman in our church or in, in the realm of Christianity, the spiritual nature of our family, when we get out with that, then we get out of church. We disconnect. And, when, and, and here's what always happens. And people think, I'll get out of church, but I don't have to get out with God. Well, here's what happens. That's just a progressive step. If I can get you out with one or two or three people, if I can get somebody to hurt your feelings, break your heart, let you down, disappoint you, then I can get you out of the church. If I can get you disconnected from the body, think about it, we're the body of Christ. So if I can get the hand disconnected from the body, I've got you severed and there'll be no functionality in your operation as a member of the, I'm preaching right now. If I can get you disconnected from the body, I can disconnect not your relationship with God, but your fellowship with God. I can have church sitting on a John boat in the lake. Well, you can't have church like we have church sitting on a John boat in the lake because you will drown, sir. Can I submit to you that you'll get out with one person, then you'll get out with the family, and you'll end up out with God. I've seen it a million times, and there are some solid people in this room, and you don't even see the blind side attack that is coming for you in the next 12 months because Satan will do word for word what I just said to you. Let's be clear. Nobody in this room is exempt from having a falling out with somebody. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care if you, could, if, if you got Psalm 119 memorized. I don't care. You're not gonna be exempt from having a falling out. And, and we all, by nature, do the same thing. We do what our greatest grandparents did, Adam and Eve. We avoid conflict. The same way we hide from God, we hide from the things of God. We hide from the people of God. It's just easier to run. It's easier to become a magician and disappear and stay away from you because out of sight, out of mind. It's easy, and it happens to the best of us. I just said it happens to the best of us. Nobody's exempt from this. You can have a falling out, and when you have that falling out, that's you losing peace with a person. And when you lose peace with a person, you lose peace with yourself. 
What happens when that happens? We, we get out of peace. We get out of peace. We wait for it to go away. We wait for it to fix itself over time. You know, all things heal in time. That's, that's a crock of stuff. That's not, no. Things don't always heal in time. There are people just as jacked up about something that happened a decade ago today as they were when it happened initially. Time hasn't done anything. God heals things in time, but time doesn't heal anything on its own. And so we're talking about a situation that you've refused to slide across the table and give God. That's why it's got you out with yourself, out of peace, because you're out of peace with somebody you're out with. And the issue, here's what happens. The issue goes unresolved. It just, it's just out there in limbo. You're out with someone, which means the relationship is out of place. And it's out of place because it's out of peace. And the whole time it's unresolved, you stay unsettled. You're never at peace. You, you are severing, think about this, you have severed, or they have severed, a God tie. And when you sever a God tie, it is a painful experience. Nobody wins in a divorce. Nobody wins. Nobody wins in a church split. Nobody wins when you spend 20 years of your life out with somebody that God never destined you to be out with. And you don't even realize the whole time you're unsettled, you don't even realize the psychological toll it's taking on you when you stay out of peace. You don't understand, nor do you comprehend the emotional erosion that's working itself in your head. And you're this unsettled person wanting to move forward, wanting to graduate with God, wanting to be a better steward of more things, wanting to have more opportunity, wanting to develop and grow. I want to grow, but you're unsettled over something unresolved. And when you're unsettled over something unresolved, somebody out there stays unforgiven. Something stays unforgiven. And then you end up operating your whole life playing the blame game, shifting all of the weight of responsibility. And I am the way I am because of what happened to me. No, what happened to you only revealed who you really were under the surface. You aren't the way you are because of something happened to you. You are born with a corrupt, sinful nature that's very twisted and very messed up and very broken. You are a very broken person. You are very much like your pastor. You came into this world broken. You spent most of your life broken, and you're constantly in need of being healed. You're constantly in need of being fixed. Your issues constantly need to be resolved. Your spirit constantly needs to be settled, and the people in your life constantly need to be forgiven. And when you live in a place of unforgiveness, hurt turns to hatred. And that root called bitterness, it plants itself deep inside the embedded darkness of your soul. And you end up living in a place where you hate the people that you are supposed to love. And you live in a life where you hate the things that bring unity. You hate the things that bring connectivity. And you spend your life being absorbed by a root of bitterness, something you don't ever pull. I'm not talking about stuff you fix with one sermon or one song. I'm not talking about the skimming the surface and dealing with the dirt on top. I'm talking about something planted deep in you. And over time, that thing just festered. And the whole time, it's like you're trying to hold a, you're trying to hold a beach ball underwater. You're trying to keep that thing down. And sooner or later, that root's going to bring fruit. Am I preaching yet? And all of this, all of what I'm saying 
leaves you with no peace. There is no peace in any of this stuff. And Paul tells us that we're supposed to have peace, meaning it doesn't have to stay this way. There's supposed to be this settled inner peace that we have with God. And it's one thing to be able to rejoice with praise when God tells you to do it. It's another to know how to relate to people like God tells you to do it. And Paul submits, maybe we need to keep the peace. He suggests that you and I, now this is gonna blow your mind because you don't know this about yourself and you don't think this about yourself, but Paul is suggesting you can be known as a peaceful person. That when you walk in the room, people are like, oh God, I'm glad she's here. Rather than, what is she doing here? (laughs) That people look forward to your presence that they wanna have you at their house. They get excited when you join their team. They know you're bringing something to the table, that you're an adder, not a subtractor. You're an asset, not a liability. You're someone that's gonna bring life, not speak death. Paul suggests that we could be a peaceful person. In fact, he even says in Romans 12, 18, I love this verse, one of my favorite verses. This helps me deal with people It helps me deal with difficult people. If it be possible, which which gives the connotation that there are gonna be times where it's not possible. Not because they're just that messed up. That's what you and I wanna think. Oh yeah, 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 I got some of them people in my life right there. So stupid, I can't can't never get along with them. That's not what, I think when he was writing this, if it's possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. I, I think there were people in the church that never would be okay with Paul being a preacher. I think there are families that he killed and there were sons and daughters of parents that Paul murdered that never could get over what he did. And I think he knew there were certain circumstances where it just wasn't gonna be possible for me and you to be BFFs. This is not gonna be possible for us to get along. But he submits, he says, as much as, if it's possible, and, and look, look, God told me to tell you this, more than likely it is. I mean, let's be honest. You ain't killed nobody. Well, we don't know about it, at least. You did a good job burying a body. More than likely, it's, it's pretty possible with you. And here's, here's, what you, here's what you undervalue, as much as lieth in you. you. You got way more in you than you give yourself credit for. You didn't get the spirit of jackass when you got Jesus. You didn't. You were born with that, but you didn't get that when you got Jesus. Live peaceably with all men. We need to understand how God wired us to relate with one another in regards to this thing called peace. I wrote this down. God told me to tell you this. You can write it down too. You can't be at peace with yourself if you're not at peace with others in your life. Which means... (laughs) You have to find peace within yourself only after having peace with other people. If you're not, look, if you're not at peace externally with one another, you can't be at peace internally with yourself. I wrote this down. God told me to tell you this, and he told me to tell it to you like it was. Imagine if you worked at keeping peace like you did at making war. I mean, it's... Look, it's hard work to be in a never-ending battle where you leave relationship casualties lying on the field. That's hard work. It's hard work for every relationship in your life to turn toxic and sour. Like, that's hard work. That's harder work than being at peace with people. 
And that, that, that actually makes me think what we usually say when we have constant relationships that end up in division, that end, end up in destruction, and end up ruined. And what do we say? We don't even realize that roots planted itself in us. We're a, we're, we're a war maker, not a peacekeeper. And we end up saying things like this, it's everyone else. Wait a second. So you're saying that all those constant, consistent relationships it was always a different person, yet you were the common denominator in all those relationships. You better hope and you better pray that it ain't everybody else. You better hope it's you, because you can't change everybody else. You better hope it ain't the world, because your life is gonna be rough for the next 50 years if it's everybody else. Maybe you're not as peaceful as a person as you thought you were. Maybe you're a bloodthirsty war maker. Maybe you by nature, like everybody else in this room by nature, maybe you wreck relationships. Maybe that's why there's never any peace. Maybe, maybe you're not peaceful. That's why you're not full of peace. So you get closer to finding peace when you start learning how to make peace. Are, are you at peace with people? When you think about the people in and around your life, are you at peace with them? Well, you, you can be. You can be because you always have a choice. You need to memorize this. You always have a choice when it comes to people. When it comes to people in peace, you always have a choice. So choose peace. Choose peace, ladies and gentlemen. Psalm 34, 14. The psalmist said, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace. What does that mean? In every relationship dynamic, if you will look for peace in that relationship, the Spirit of God will help you find it. There is a way to find peace with every person in your life. You have to be looking for it. Most of us go into a relationship expecting the person to get stupid waiting for them to hurt us. And if we've been hurt before, if we've been rejected before, by default, I'm gonna reject before you can reject. I'm gonna push away before I feel you push on me because I don't wanna be hurt again. I don't wanna relive that emotion. I don't wanna re relive those fears and I don't wanna be standing in that reality. So I'm gonna push you away before you get close enough to touch me. You always have a choice. Now, look, the world's not gonna tell you that. The world is not going to tell you that you can always choose peace. The world, let me tell you what the world's going to tell you. Just keep it real. Just, just keep it real. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being real with you. It is what it is. What you see is what you get. Well, I'm not real sure. I, I think I see a Christian. Can I, can I get that? Speaking of keeping it real, well, let's keep it real. What, what are you really? It doesn't matter. That's what the world will tell you. It doesn't matter. Uh, it does. It's messing you up mentally. It's, it's messing you up. You're, 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 you're in a church now that, that God's chosen for you to be at, but you can't bond properly with the church you're at because the church that you were at left you bleeding when you left. You know, a good, a good, a good church... A good church, you should always be able to leave. You should always be able to leave a good church. If you can't leave that church, it's a cult. 
It's not a church, that's a cult. There should always be a front door and a back door, and you should be able to walk through both of them very easily. Because you don't belong to a pastor and you don't belong to a nonprofit entity called a local church. You belong to God and you are his church. And God will plant you places and the same God that planted you places will uproot you. But here's my advice. Don't ever let anything uproot you unless it's the sovereign divine hand of God. And when God uproots you, it's because he's already picked out soil in which you'll be planted. So unless it's, mm, hmm, unless it's God moving you from one garden of growth to another garden of growth, you keep your roots anchored and tell the devil to go to hell where he belongs. It doesn't matter. It don't matter. Yeah, yeah, it does. I don't care. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. It's bothering you. Here's what the world will tell you. Get even and fight back. An eye for an eye. Here's the deal. It's not my job to punish you or ensure, ensure that you get the consequences I think you deserve. I don't want to do God's job because I don't really want God doing his job when it's my turn to get a whooping. <laughs> and why would I want to be monkeying and messing with your life to ensure that you get what you deserved? And I get even with you. Why would I want to be that close to you when God brings his paddle across your tail and hits me at the same time? We had a lot more fun last week, didn't we? Rejoice! <laughs> I wrote this down. There's a big difference in how human beings fight in history versus how they fight today. See, we have the safety of a smartphone and a keyboard we can hide behind. And I'm brave and 10 foot tall and bulletproof when I fight with you online. But you know good and well that you wouldn't say half the stuff you say to people online in a comment section if you were standing on aisle six in Walmart and she started taking her earrings out. What, we are crazy people, you know that? We will say the stupidest stuff to people online because we're on the safety of the internet. But you know, you know as well as I do, we're full of crap because we'll say that to people and then those very people that you've said that to, you'll actually see them and act like you didn't. Where's all that fight? Where's all that puffing stuff at, huh? Because you said things about that person and you said things to that person, but when you had the chance to act actually say it to that person you oh look oh look at this right here we need some of this are they gone yet <laughs> said stuff about them said stuff to them then Solomon had the opportunity to actually get even and fight back and you cowered behind your phone and like one of their posts neutralize the mood we're crazy we're crazy Every one of us is crazy. We've all done different degrees of that. Talk about somebody when they're not around. Y'all talk to me this morning. It's okay. It's okay. We're all guilty. We're all guilty. Choose to live as a peacemaker. That's all I'm telling you. Choose. Choose, Choose to live as a peacemaker. Now, I, let me let you in on my world, okay? Let me, let, me, let me let you in on my world. What helps Pastor Derek? What helps me? live as a peacemaker with others. Well, I wrote this down. I'm going to share it to you. This is my personal business. I wrote this down. This is, my, this is how I choose to live at peace with people. 
It's never worth fighting to win a war that I never should have been in to begin with. I probably never should have gotten this fight to begin with, so why would, it's not really worth the trouble. It's, it's not worth it. Two, allowing strife and contention with you could ultimately hurt my chances of eventually winning you to myself and Christ. How am I going to get you to be a Christian if I don't act like one? We're, we're crazy. I'm telling you, we're crazy. We think sitting in this room makes us Christ-like. Being in this room is like standing in that parking lot. It's just a room. It's just, this one's air-conditioned. I wrote this down. I'm mature enough to be wrong by you and leave the rest and you up to God. I'm mature enough to be okay with getting hit and not hit back. I have too much in common with you to be in opposition with you. If you're another Christian, if you're another believer, we have too much to do. We have too much at stake. We have too much in common. Here's my favorite one I wrote down. I can't be a recipient of getting peace from God but refuse to be at peace with you. It's crazy that I want God to be at peace with me and I wanna be at peace with God yet I don't wanna extend it to you when you need it. Now, I want God to give it to me. My life gets messed up, but I don't want to share it with you. As a recipient of God's peace and God's mercy, I should do all I can to be at peace with you. I should try to be gentle. I should try to be patient. I should try to be gracious from people in my present and people in my past. I have to make peace. That's why Paul said, the Lord is at hand. You know what that means? He's close. He's always close. Like he could come back at any day. You could die any day. There, there is too much on the line for you to get divided right now. There is not enough time left for you to get divided right now. Here's the bottom line, I'm done. You don't have to stay out with somebody. You don't have to stay out. Pastor Jake's gonna help me close. You don't have to stay out with somebody. I want everybody to say that with me. I don't have to stay out with somebody. Say that with me. I don't have to stay out with somebody. Say it with me. I don't have to stay out with somebody. Jesus said, blessed, in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed means well off, fortunate. Blessed means happy. Happy are the peacemakers. Let me say it again. You don't have to stay out with somebody. So here's what I want you to do. If it starts today, it starts tomorrow, this is what I want you to do. I want you to resolve the unresolved. You don't have to stay out with somebody. Resolve the unresolved. If God has moved you, while, while I was preaching, the Holy Spirit, how do I know I've heard from God? That thing turning around inside of you, that tap, that push, that still, small voice, that's the voice of God telling you to make something right that's wrong with somebody. And if God is moving you to initiate this issue, ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to wait on the other person. You will die waiting on somebody else to fix a relationship. 
if God's already stirred my heart and put his finger on relationship or a person that I'm not at peace with, I don't even have anything else to pray about. I've got clear instructions from God. And you know what's so crazy while I'm preaching this right now? You know the truth of this? Husbands and wives are sitting in this room right now and you still have a cloud of unconfessed crud that happened this week, that happened yesterday, last night, here we go, that happened this morning. And we all walked up in this place, got out of our car, put on our plastic Sunday smile. Oh, isn't he good? Bless the Lord. And all kind of relationship toxins running in between you and that other person. You're one flesh. That's why you both feel the same thing at the exact same time. You think the same thing at the exact same time because the two have become one. You've merged. You've been welded together. You're joined. And that's why the blood that's poisonous in your veins runs through theirs at the same time. And you can feel that out of peace as one person. Resolve the unresolved. Settle the unsettled. The other day I had a salad. It was horrible. So I got some balsamic vinaigrette and I shook that stuff up, poured it on my salad, set it down, and it was just spinning. That bottle, all that stuff was spinning. All of it moving. As I sat there and eat my salad and I left that thing alone, as I set it down, I watched and all the oil and all the water and all the spices, everything settled in its proper place after I finally set it down. I didn't aggravate or agitate the mixture, I set it down. And when I set it down, it got settled. We don't even know this came from the Bible, but we say it. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't go to bed angry. One of the best things you'll ever do in marriage is not fight about money, be transparent when it hurts, and don't go to bed angry at each other. When your body goes to sleep, your spirit and your mind are very much awake. And when you are, listen to me, when you are asleep, it is the perfect time for satanic surgery. And you're at odds with your other flesh, laying just inches away from each other. And you, your soul, is soft soil for satanic seed while you lay there hating each other. In the moment, I know you said I do and you did, but in that moment, there's a hatred that has wedged itself between you and that individual, and you are positioning yourself at night to give the upper hand place to the devil. One of the curses of being a human being is you're gonna have to sleep, and when you sleep, you're soft soil for satanic seed. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Make it right before the sun goes down. What's that mean? Make it right before you go to sleep. Fix it. Fix it before you go to bed. Settle the unsettled. Here's the last one. Here's how you don't stay out with somebody. Forgive the unforgiven. Right now, quickly, inventory and assess. Is there anybody out there in my life that is unforgiven? Forgiveness means to absolve, to remove the blame. 
God, that's a heavy word. Forgiveness is actually associated with me removing the charges that were held to your account. Let me ask you a question. Did God forgive you of your sin? He had to based on Jesus, right? When you trusted in Christ, based on what Jesus did for you, God, by his word and according to his promise, removed the charges against your account. So if I open your record in heaven, and I can't, neither can an angel, but if God was to open your personal file in heaven, there are no charges to your name. Not even the stuff you did last night. Man, that doesn't mean that's a license to go do more of it. What I'm saying is there's nothing to your name except grace. The evidence of blood has exonerated you of all charges. How do you and I have a relationship with God? Because there's no charges. How do we actually get let into heaven? And Peter ain't at the gate like a holy bouncer. We go to heaven because there's no charges to our account. The righteousness of Christ has been credited to our account. What did Paul say? The same way that Christ forgave me, I'm going to forgive you. In the same passage where Jesus said, happy are the peacemakers, he also said, happy are the merciful. True happiness is me getting to a place where I can be a conduit for the forgiveness I receive. If I will gladly take God removing my blame, who am I to be a recipient of forgiveness but refuse to extend the same thing you needed from me? when you hurt me. Well, they hurt me. Well, you crucified Jesus with your sin. You spit in the face of God and pulled the beard from his face. I know you weren't there 2,000 years ago, but your sin did that and my sin did that. So who in the world am I to be a reservoir of forgiveness and not a river of it? Forgive the unforgiven. Let it go. Let it and them go. I know it's August but let's go ahead and have Christmas early. Give yourself the gift of forgiveness and let your father go. Give yourself the gift of forgiveness and let your cousin go. Let your ex go because you have trapped yourself in a prison of hurt and hate and bitterness and unforgiveness. And there is a God. Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost stirring with some people right now. The Spirit of God is trying to lead you out of that jail cell. But, 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 but look, look at what they've done. Look at how it made me feel. Look at what it caused in my life. And God's saying, there's peace on the other side of this. I've offered you peace. I'm offering you a new, a newness. I'm offering you a chance to turn the page. I'm giving you an opportunity. Come on, let's move on. And you're sitting there going, but look, 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 look. And that's the pattern that emerges. I'm out with one person and I stay out with everybody else. I can be out with somebody and take it out on her. All of a sudden now, me and her aren't at peace. It might be six hours, but it can be hell at the house just like that. I take it, what is it? I take it to work, or you pick it up at work and bring it home. Paul says, look, you're, you're capable of a lot more than you think you are. You're, it's very possible for you to be at peace with people. And we want this peace to be inside, but we don't want it to be on the outside. Doesn't make any sense. 
If you want to have a peaceful relationship with yourself, learn how to have peaceful relationship with other people. And look for peace. Next time you got beef with somebody, next time you feel that tension, next time you feel that strife, and look, you already know what button, what button not to push. You already know what lever's gonna make them lose it. Don't push the button. Don't pull the lever. Look for peace. In every situation, the moment they raise that voice, pitch and the tone of the voice goes, and they get up and they look at y'all funny. You have an opportunity right there. You're at a crossroads. Choose peace or make war. It's every day. It's all day. It's, it's, it's every one of us. It doesn't make any sense. I want to lay in the bed at night with this peace of God that passes all understanding. But I'm okay having fights with everybody that comes to my path. If you're a Christian, you're capable of being a peaceful person. That's all I'm saying. Not everything's an argument. Not everything is division. Not everything is an opportunity or a platform for you to prove your point or make somebody look stupid. They may be. You don't have to make them look stupid. Stand up with me. Let's pray.